Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer and co-host, Chris Morales, pulling double duty as usual. And not under the weather today. 646-564-9909. 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in to speak to us. If you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website, ocgworks.org. That's O-C-G-W-O-R-K-S dot O-R-G and click on the OCG Radio Live button. Or you can also go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. You don't have to call in on the call-in line to listen to the show unless that's your only means, and by all means, do so. How are you feeling today? Feeling a little better. Uh, I can't lie about that. My... I uh, can't say I'm not completely out from being under the weather as my ears are uh, completely clogged up as we speak, and um, I can hardly hear myself through my own headset right now, but we can fight through that. I feel a lot better. That's all that matters. Okay. All right. Let's go right into our uh, happy recap. Let's make that happen. Uh, so in line with the topic of our last show, I believe I was challenged by my co-host to uh, utilize the exercise that we uh, advise others to engage in. And he challenged me to dig deep on my feelings regarding the uh, Dallas Cowboys' controversial loss to the Green Bay Packers. We was robbed. (laughs) 
And uh, question being, what's the feelings? So after digging deep, I can actually describe what I experienced. And I realized almost immediately that when I went closely mirrored the grief process, minus a step or two. And what is that process, you ask? Well, I was certainly shocked and in denial for a brief moment. Denial? Yeah. Okay. It was like, this can't be happening. <laughs> they didn't just overturn that call. Okay. All right. So there was shock and denial. Okay. There was pain. I was hurt by that loss. <laughs> I was fully expecting them to go to the NFC Championship game. All right. Um, I didn't have any guilt. Uh, I was angry. Okay, some anger. Yeah, I was angry at the ref. <laughs> okay. And all of the nonsense reasoning that they gave behind overturning the call. All right. Um, I didn't have any emotional outbursts, though. My wife can attest to that. Um... I would call it. Uh, I didn't. I, I, you know, one of the steps in, in the grief process is depression and loneliness. So I didn't have any loneliness. Depression. There's always for me uh, immediate, like depression for like the first 15 minutes, and then right. boom, I'm out of it. So yeah, I was depressed. My team wasn't going any further, and uh, then you start to come out of it. You know, you start to adjust to the to the reality, and you know, you realize life has to go on, and then you gotta uh, put you know put the pieces back together and <laughs> <laughs> go out and face the family and uh, talk about what happened. Oh, man. That's yeah. you know, and, ex- and accept, and then look forward to next year, the hope of next year. <laughs> so it kind of closely mirrored the grieving process. I was I just grieved the loss. So. That's what my feelings were when when you really dig deep to to analyze them. Okay. So that was my homework assignment. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing. And I can't say that it's uh, without a little bit of pleasure that I hear that you went through that roller coaster as a Cowboys fan. I like to I like that knowledge uh, of of uh, knowing that you had to go through these things, uh, and I made you revisit them even. Uh, I couldn't ask for anything more coming from a Cowboys fan, so that's uh, that's excellent. Yeah, you did say that in the last show that, or <laughs> I think I asked you, you really want you really want me to have to go and revisit the pain. Yeah, and, and he said yes. So okay, right? Like uh, human to human, and as a friend, I don't really want you to revisit the pain, but but as a Cowboys fan coming from a 49ers fan, there's a little bit of pleasure I find in that. So okay. Next item up on our recap, uh, the root of our New Year's show was forgiveness, if you recall. Indeed. And this past week, I read an excellent excerpt of a book by author Sandra Lee Dennis, Ph.D., from her book Love and the Mystery of Betrayal. Not to be confused with Sarah Lee, who makes delicious cheesecakes, huh? Not to be compared with Entenmann's, who makes better cakes. (laughs) All right. Which is an East Coast brand, but we won't. We won't get yeah, into that right okay. now. So in the excerpt, she explains how we must be careful that we don't misuse forgiveness as a means to avoid dealing with the feelings behind a painful experience. Hmm. Like, for example, if you've experienced betrayal, 
she explains, and I agree with this, that you have to confront those feelings regardless of how down and dirty they may be. You have to deal with them and arrive at a space of resolution or acceptance, and then you're ready to move to the step of forgiveness. So why is this important? Well, you may find yourself in the position of having in your mind forgiven someone, yet the impact of that forgiveness that we come to expect, you know, the freeing and the freedom, the evolving of ourselves to a higher level, has not occurred. And if you identify with that, you may want to retrace and look at whether or not you've actually glossed over your own feelings about the experience, and therein lies the root of why there has not been the impact that you should experience. So treat this as an addendum to that conversation we had on our New Year's show. No comment? Okay. Next item up. We had our caller, one of our callers, I don't know if it was the last show, the show before, and he was a question regarding, I think it was our last show, the question of his mental health status. I believe he was inquiring on whether or not he should, you know, he believed that there was an issue and whether or not he should seek help for it, and if he didn't, would that impact his recovery? And we said that, yes, it would. Okay, so, and I made a comment that his questioning of whether or not he should address his issues is how mental health issues work, the brain playing with you like this. And that's ridiculous, the way that comment came across, because that okay. could be misinterpreted and misread. And sure. It, and it didn't come out right. That's not how mental health issues work. It has nothing to do with the brain and mental health. That questioning of should I seek help or not is a human nature issue or human nature question. It's right. not a mental health question. Right. Yeah, okay. no, that makes sense. I don't want people to misinterpret that. Uh, also, we were providing a call of support about not suffering and getting the appropriate level of pain meds that he needs after having surgery, uh, yeah. some kind of surgery. Yep. I believe knee replacement surgery. Yes. And I think we neglected to add that the because we recommended that he have an honest dialogue with his doctor. Right. Right. And we neglected to add that with your doctor, the dialogue should include, as, long, as well as talking about being a previous opiate addict, that, or let me back up, the dialogue should include not only about being a previous opiate addict in the delicate stages of recovery, but also ensuring that all other options have been explored before deciding that opiate-based pain meds are the only remaining option. And then, again, your recovering mindset must be at a highly disciplined level. Okay. Well, but I think, and I mean, I guess it's good to clarify it, but it sounds to me like when you say you should have an honest conversation with your doctor, that that isn't... ...really think about it. Uh, it kind of feeds right into what the topic that we have today, which would be holding on to the corner of the bag or negative reservations, um, you know, that if you sincerely want to be clean and sober and you're prepared to have that on honest conversation with your doctor and exhaust all possibilities outside of opiate uh, painkiller medication, then that's one thing. And if you're not, then the odds are that you still have some sort of reservation. You're still what we have called in treatment for a long time, holding on to the corner of the bag. And that indeed will ultimately end up in you 
using again or, or you know, be considered a um, pretty big red flag for relapse uh, because it all comes down to what what your mindset is, which I think is what the host was trying to um, portray to the caller. But I think he's back. Are we back? Are we? Yeah, uh, I'm back. I, I back really, in the game. I really got bounced off the uh, the server, so they, they appear to be having issues. It's on their end, folks. It's not on our end. <laughs> So if I get bounced off again, you know it's not me disconnecting myself, which I have done during our practice shows, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so we're still in the recap, and, and I heard everything that was being said. That's great, great stuff, by the way. Um, when we did our show, another item on the recap, when we did our show about forgiveness, I, another thing I thought of within the concept of giving up control of the thing that you're holding on to, another reason why people want to maintain that control is so that they can continue to use it as a mental, emotional, and verbal whipping weapon. So it's like you keep it holstered and whip it out when it's convenient. But if you were to truly give it up, it's no longer available to use that way. Now that takes some growth and understanding especially in intimate relationships. They say all is fair in love and war. Well, in love, sometimes we like to keep artillery, artillery that's been left on the battlefield from a previous battle to use in a future battle. But once you truly let it go and forgive, you hand in that artillery, artillery for good, never to be used again. Then you know you have really actuated forgiveness. So I wanted to add that on. So we've added two things on to, as an addendum to our forgiveness Show topic. Uh, Last item is an A and B on our last recap item. And both of them relate to our humble co-host. Okay, all right. Our humble co-host mentioned last week during his monologue breaking down the ADHD medication question that the host, i.e. me, (laughs) is a fan of cars as he was using cars to help with his analogy. Correct. And if you recall, he was under the weather, but calling me, your humble host, a fan of cars. The, which, term, the which, term fan is not uh, not big enough? No. Can I, can I, can I, can I finish? All right. Can I finish? Yeah, sure. So he was calling me a fan of cars, which does not do me justice. There it is. I knew it. Okay. <laughs> it is akin to calling me a fan of airplanes. I am a classic muscle car enthusiast. Okay. I am not a fan of the Ford Pinto. (laughs) I am a jet aircraft enthusiast. I am not a fan of the single-engine Cessna. All right. So the correct description of me is an enthusiast, which is vastly different than a fan. Okay. All right. Although fan, uh, fanatic, you know, fanatic is pretty powerful. No, 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 no. All right, the All second right. issue with our humble co-host was definitely related to him being under the weather. Oh, boy. I hope. Here it comes. I didn't get a chance to do this prior to our show close, but it's so important. I must do it today for his long-term safety and well-being. As we were expounding on our topic of feelings, he made a comment. And just in case you forgot, let me just play it for the for the record. I mean, everything that comes out of their mouth is just uh, 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 feelings, but they can't bring thought into it to help control their actions. Sounds like you're describing men versus women. 
<laughs> I just I, I want to interrupt this message for an important announcement that did not come from me. <laughs> okay, y'all y'all remember that? So now he made a comment that could have been interpret, interpreted as him stereotyping women as emotional and illogical and men as calm and logical. On his behalf, I ask you to forgive him, for he knows not what he speaketh. <laughs> He's been married what? Is it two, two, two years, three years? We're, yeah, we're, we're coming up on three years okay, here. Okay, three years now. Now, I had to check him for wounds before we went on the air. Now, you see, you noticed my 24 years of marriage experience by how fast I quickly distanced myself from his comments and left him hanging out to dry by himself. I saw no reason for both of us to be forced to sleep in the shed. <laughs> to go down, huh? I beg Anna, his wife, for mercy and leniency if it's not too late. <laughs> He's still a young and inexperienced grasshopper. And yes, experience is the best teacher, but you've got to be alive to learn. So he made it back here alive. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> and just in case you didn't hear it, I mean, everything that comes out of their mouth is just uh, 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 feelings, but they can't bring thought into it to help control their actions. Sounds like you're describing men versus women. <laughs> I just I, I want to interrupt this message for an important announcement that did not come from me. And I think what made it worse for him was the cackling in the background. So it actually comes from a book. So we might want to throw the author under the bus on this one. Men are from Venus, women are from Mars, or something like that. Uh, uh, see, <laughs> once again. Once again, it kind of rears its ugly head in experience. I think it's men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah, something like that. All right, I think that's a good, good, good one to close our uh, recap on. That that is pretty good. That is a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, line there to close the recap on. I'm glad that you played the soundbite three, three more times, just in case anybody uh, missed missed an opportunity. So uh, to close the recap off here, we are going to go into a quick little co commercial break, a little music break. On the other side, we will get right into our show topic. Thank you for listening.
Okay, welcome back to Rochon Recovery. 646-564-9909 is the number. Uh, one last thing. I left off one last thing on our happy recap. See, getting getting cut off by the... Uh, actually, we should say... I think we should tell the story about what we think is going on, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we ought to. Just hope they're not listening. Right. Um, last week when we talked about feelings, and one of our... Callers, in in when she was being questioned about something, she gave the big, which is a big no no no, the answer of I don't know. So whenever you're introspecting and doing some self analyzing, don't accept I don't know as an answer for yourself, because it's either I don't want to dig deeper to find the answer, or I I know what the answer is, but I'm just not ready to say. It's rarely I don't know the answer when it comes to feelings. So either with yourself or when talking with others and they just just blurt out, I don't know, don't accept that answer. Force them to dig deeper. Force them to get in there. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah. I had uh, <laughs> made a complaint <laughs> to uh, our server host. What was it I was complaining about? Oh, about um, trouble that uh, some of our listeners were having following the show when they go to our show page on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. You can click follow and follow the show. And what that will do is you'll get a you know email reminder. You're not going to get any spam emails from Block Talk or anything like that. This is kind of the part that you wanted me to talk about a little bit too, right? Yes. Yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, just to finish there. So we we thought it would be as easy as that, but like probably every site out there, uh, once you go to the web page to follow us on Blog Talk Radio, in order to follow us or any show for that matter, you are required to create an account, and so a, li- a listener account, a listener account. Yeah. And so this is not... And it's free. It's free. Yeah, they, they don't require any social security number or credit card information. Pretty <laughs> Or your PIN. <laughs> or your PIN number. Pretty basic info. Um, but nevertheless, it's not as easy as going to their... Going to the website, finding our show, and clicking follow. You do have to, you know, first and last name, I would assume. I haven't gone through it myself. And an email address, I believe, is what we were told. Um, and so, yeah, that was what the complaint was. Uh, our host here, uh, Mr. Roach said, you know, if you want people to follow the show, you might want to make it a little easier and not have to have people go through the hassle of creating an account because sometimes, even though it's free and you're not asking for that much information, the initial bit of somebody going to the web page and being asked to create a listener account might turn them off instantly. They don't care that it's free. They don't want to go any further. Oh, I have to sign up for something else. And so uh, there, there was a complaint made, uh, not anonymous, not anonymously, with a name attached to it. And uh, so we thought that it would be really funny, after filing this complaint, if somehow during our next show we were getting uh, squeezed for bandwidth or or something uh, took place technically on their end to try and sabotage us, if you will. We'll teach you. <laughs> and so already. Two minutes before the show, because we are prepping at least 15 minutes before the show, checking our lines and all that, uh, he was cut off, I think, twice. 
then the show starts, and then, of course, in the middle of our show right here, he's cut off again. So um, the conspiracy theory is out there. That's all we're going to say. And it wasn't a complaint, really. It was telling them that they should provide more information on the page so that people know that it's just not clicking follow. It's that you have to then you have to create a free listener account. Then people can determine, right, you know, if they want to do that or not. Informative not, feedback. Exactly. And they said they, they let their development team know. I said, okay, fine. And I said, what watch, they didn't say watch, is, us, watch us get squeezed. <laughs> what we'll let our development team know is to uh, make sure that you experience some technical difficulties next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yep. Okay. Holding on to a corner of the bag. Negative reservations. Now, normally we don't use those two terms together because actually they mean the same thing. But to an everyday person... Holding on to a corner, holding on to a corner of the bag. What does that mean? Holding on to the corner of my shopping bag. What is that? Well, no, it doesn't mean that. And then negative reservations. What, what does that mean? You, you made a hotel reservation and it didn't work out. What is that? So we got to bring it into what does what does that language mean inside the treatment world? So holding on to a corner of the bag, and you can use bag to change it to the bottle, change it to the pipe, whatever whatever it is that the addict kept their drugs in or the manner in which they use their drugs or their, their alcohol, whatever it is, that's what that expression means, the bag. The first part of the phrase, holding on to a corner, will explain that. So if you are in recovery, and let's say, well, you smoked marijuana. That's all that you did, and you're now in recovery from that. And, you know, I smoked, uh, well, you know, today they talk about grams and ounces. Back in my day, we just, we 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 used, we, we determined how much we spoke by the number of joints. So that's all, that's the only terminology I can use right now. So if you smoke 10 joints a week, okay, and you're, you're you're stopping, you're not going into recovery, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, well, I used to smoke 10. Maybe I can just smoke one joint every, you know, on the weekend or something like that. Hey, that should be okay. We call that holding on to a corner of the bag. You know, you're thinking you can still do something of that old lifestyle and that it's not going to turn around and bite you. It's not going to have a negative impact to you. Okay? So, you know, if you're, if you're an alcoholic, and you go, oh, I can just have one drink every now and then when I go out. That's holding on to a corner of the bag or holding on to a little corner of the bottle. So whatever the drug of choice is or the substance of choice, okay, that's what that phrase speaks to. Now, the negative reservation part is the thinking of, well, I can still do a little bit of this and it shouldn't hurt me. It shouldn't come back around and whiplash and bite me. So in your mind, in your in your or in your gut, okay, you have this thinking that you have, this thought that you have, this feeling that you have that I can do this and it's not gonna bother me. It's not gonna have any negative repercussions, any negative consequences. And so we call that a negative reservation because the behavior is negative not a positive behavior that we're talking about. It's a negative behavior, okay? And 
each person has, well, let's just say many have common things that can be considered negative reservations, but then each person in recovery has things that are specific to them. And usually they can be described as a noun, whether it be a person, whether it be a place, whether it be a thing. So there can be people that you know you shouldn't be associating with. There can be places that you know you shouldn't be going to. There could be things that you know you shouldn't be involved with. And all of those things are negative reservations to you. But you think that, you know what? I can dabble in that. I can dabble in this. I can hang out with this person. That's holding on to a corner of the bag. Now, what are usually the end results? Well, last week we touched on it a little bit because one of our callers brought it up. I personally didn't come up with this statistic. Okay, this was told to me many, many, many years ago. I've just watched to see if it holds, if it has held true, and it's held true to this day. And that is that anyone who actually has a negative reservation, whatever it may be, whether it's one of the common ones or something specific to their situation, they're going to live it out. And so our job as providers, as counselors, as sponsors, is to get underneath it, to root it out. Now, how can we do that? Well, unfortunately, we can't do that unless the person with the negative reservation, the person holding on to a corner of the bag, gets honest and trusts that there's, that there's, a, there's an environment of trust where they can talk about it. And we're not going to jump all down their throat about it because it's normal to have negative reservations. You can't be in the life for 15 years and all of a sudden be in recovery for six, seven, eight months and, and think that you're not going to have negative reservations or that a person is not going to have negative reservations. Of course they are. The question is, do we create the environment where that person can be honest about it and freely talk about it so we can discuss it? Let's get underneath it. Why do you think you can, can, why do, you think you can do that and there won't be a negative repercussion, a negative consequence? And let's hear what the reasoning is. Let's hear what the thinking is. Because then that then gives us the avenue to how to attack it. You can't attack it without hearing what the thinking is. You can't project in advance what their thinking may be as to why they believe that they can do this and it won't affect them. We want them to come forth with it on their own, meaning their own words, their own thoughts. And then we can help them see how the result that they think they're going to have is not going to be the result that's going to happen. It's going to be a negative result. A couple of calls also said the word. They just said, I have reservations. And I said, well, there's no such thing as a reservation. In the recovery field, it's 
a negative reservation. Because if it's positive, we don't talk about it as a reservation. Because reservation implies that we know that, should I, should I touch that or right. not? You know, that's the implication. It's positive, it's a goal. It's a goal, exactly. <laughs> and, and there's no hesitation. Okay? So, one of the things I wrote in the show description is, I, I would say it's 50-50. Sometimes it's really just simple ignorance in terms of, and you, and you hear this in some of the questions that we get. Hey, can I can, can I do this, you know, in, in, during my recovery process? Can I do that during my recovery? They don't know. And as, as counselors, that's what you know. We're there for. You're there for to advise them and steer them and guide them, um, allow them space, you know, to 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 make some mistakes and learn a little bit. We don't want any life-altering mistakes. That's what I always tell tell our folks. Look, you're going to make some bad decisions. Just don't make any life-altering decisions. So we allow them the space to make to make make some you know decisions that and and feel the consequence. Okay, as long as it's not some big time or serious. But it ranges from simple ignorance, which we can educate, to outright idiocy. And the, you determine it's outright idiocy when you give the person an opportunity to explain what their thinking is on why they can actually do what it is that they're thinking about doing and that there's not going to be a, a repercussion to them in any way, shape, or form. And you just sit there and listen to this and you can't believe what you're hearing, that this person actually thinks that. Yeah. This is what they think in terms of that their recovery is going to be solid, right? on solid ground with that type of thinking. Because then that's a bigger issue. Forget about the negative reservation. The larger issue becomes this person's thinking process. That's right. what we're going to have to address. Forget about whatever it is, whatever they thought that they could do. No, your thinking tells me more. But in order to get there, we have to give them the opportunity to do express all that. Yeah. Express all that. So, let's throw out some of the common negative reservations that we've encountered. I've already mentioned one about the – what do they call them today? I mean, the pot smokers? Is that what they call them today? Sure, they, yeah. Potheads? Pot, potheads? Okay, they still call yeah. potheads. All right. All right. The potheads uh, might think that, well, you know what? If I only did – Just on the weekend? Just on the weekend. Or I gave – I use joints as, uh, in terms of the uh, measurement, in terms of the measurement. Measurement stick? I, I know you guys out here in California do, you know, do the uh, the weight thing. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. You're into more of the weight. Right, so, but whatever. the person thinks, oh, if I just do, you know, maybe ten times less than what I was doing, you know, if I was smoking ten joints or nine times, I was doing ten joints. Now I'm only doing one. Well, yeah, that's that's harm reduction, absolutely. Um, but that's a negative reservation. If you think you can do that, and there's not going to be a consequence. The alcoholic, right? We talked about that. We said that already. You yeah. know, thinking that oh, I'll just drink on social occasions, or you know, maybe just a bottle on the weekend, right? And there's not going to be a consequence. Right. Now, when you get into, and this goes without saying, of course, I'm going to say anyway, when you get into very hard drugs, we're talking heroin, methamphetamine, um, some hard prescription stuff, et cetera, and and the prescription stuff that's being misused, like the antidepressant medication that they're misusing, snorting, and all that stuff, that's when it gets kind of like crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Agreed, yeah. 
Yeah, so you think you can use just a little bit of meth instead of what you were using, and that's going to be okay. Or if you were snorting it, if you smoke it, that's going to be okay. Yeah, no. You know, or if you were injecting heroin, but now you're just going to smoke it. Much more, more extreme on it. that end. You know what I mean? But we get that. You know, and this right. is what this is the definition of the outright idiocy part of the, the extreme of the thinking. Sure. So if a, when a person says that, you know what? Forget about the fact that you want to snort it now instead of shooting it. Let's talk about your thinking process. Right. That you think you can still use meth, period, any way, shape, or form. What's up with that? Yeah, it speaks to a larger issue, like you were saying. That's not so much. Uh, it, it, that's not so much. We're worried about the slight possibility that you might be holding onto the corner of the bag. You are just fully ready to go out and start your start your using life all over again. When you're done with us, we've got a bigger issue on the table here. Right. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, especially like you said for the hardcore ones. The interesting, the interesting one for me is the kind of cross the the outright or downright addict whose drug of choice may be pot, so your pothead who believes I can still drink a beer every now and then. Or someone who might be the alcoholic, I could still smoke a joint every now and then. When you get into that cross... Cross training. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, the cross training um, and how that could still be a reservation because for some people... The addictive personality is what it is, for some, not for all. But you know what? I, I think I can smoke a little bit of weed. It's not going to really be a big deal, to be honest. You know what? So that's a negative reservation. Right. Okay? And again, so let's let's talk about that. Why why do you think you could smoke you know, some weed and it's not going to be a big issue? And you might get a revelation. You might really get a real... Uh, an honest opinion of what they really think about marijuana. They might not think it's a big deal. And by the way, welcome to 2015. There's loads of people who don't think marijuana is a big deal. Right. Okay. Um, Probably more so who don't think it's a big deal than those who do. Yeah, especially if you live in uh, Colorado and Washington. Right. Um, And another one for me, which is, and this is kind of common, if you're dealing with young adults, you could even go into adolescence, but we'll say young adults, 18, 19, 20, folks who are not of age to drink yet, mm-hmm. who have this, well, the majority of why it was bad that I was drinking had to do with my mentality that it was okay to break the law because it was illegal and this and that. So I won't drink until I'm 21, and when I turn 21, then it'll be okay for me to have a drink. Well, there's a there's an... There's a way to really get into that type that to find out where the person's really at because their behavior prior to age 21 in terms of how they drank says a lot. You drank to get drunk. That tells me everything I need to know. And turning 21 is not necessarily going to change that. Right. So right. you're going to have to have some significant accountability that makes sense to tell me that, well, when you turn 21, now you're legally of age to drink, that the manner in which you drink is going to change to a responsible way versus what it was prior to you being 21. Sure. I mean, 
safe to say that, uh, you know, in this arena that we're talking about, a person's previous behavior, if they're not eliminating it, it can be a predictor of future. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So if they're not stopping the drinking, I'm going to continue to drink, but I'm going to wait until I turn 21. So no more blackouts, no more, you know, DUIs. I'm just going to wait. Well, what's going to change? And if you can't tell me something that makes sense, okay, then we're going to have a long conversation. Right. Now, so in the treatment environment, in order to, you know, like picture, you know, shaking someone, you know, to, to wake them up, we, we, we use the term holding on to a corner of the bag because it's raw. It's down and dirty. It's in the street. Yes. You know what I mean? And we tell them, you know what, that's all that you're doing. You're holding on to a corner of the bag. You know, when you go out and stand by that liquor store and hang out in front, you're just holding on to a corner of the bag. You don't want to give up that spot. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to just keep on stepping. You still want to stand there and hang out with the brothers that you were hanging out with before. You're holding on to a corner of the bag. So we know what that means. But it doesn't have to have a down and dirty picture. Right. Okay. Yeah, there is a little video that comes with it when you hear that uh when you hear that expression. And it is kind of of the street and yeah, kinda kinda nasty a little bit, like yeah. when you're at your lowest point, so to speak. But it applies to the person that's sitting home on their in their in their lounge chair also, you know what I mean? And, right. and, and down in the Jack Daniels. Right. Every single night. Very true. How's it sold? Is it sold in a fifth or? Jack Daniels comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes, but a fifth is one of them, yes. Oh, you're an expert, huh? Uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've seen it passed around once or twice. We'll say that. <laughs> we'll say that. But I learn something new every day. Yeah. No, but that is a good point that even though, you know, the expression might have a, a connotation that comes with it of being, oh, you know, the the dirty phrase that used to get tossed hit around all the, the time of dope fiend, right? But that, like you said, it could apply to the person who's sitting in their house up in the San Mateo Hills uh, hitting the bottle every night. Absolutely. Why, why does someone want to hold on to a corner of the bag? What is that saying? When they when they want to do that, when they want to continue, when they want to engage with a person, a place, or a thing of their, that was a part of their pre, you know, uh, of the life. And by the way, when I say the life, I mean the negative drug using lifestyle. So I just call it the life. So they want to they want to hold on to some aspect of that life and keep, you know, and incorporate it into their recovery lifestyle. Why why is that? You asking me? Yeah, I'm just throwing it out there throwing to the it universe. Out there? To the universe. Okay. Uh when I think about it, I think it has to do with maybe not being completely ready to get rid of everything that's familiar. Mm-hmm. You were used to living a certain way, um, although it probably didn't end well or never really does end well. There were bits and pieces of the life or fond memories that you have of it, certain moments or things that you experienced. And um, if that's all you've known for a handful of years, several years, whatever the length of time is or was, it can be hard to 
completely sever that connection for some people. I think that there's a little bit of fear involved there that you're completely rid of that life and you're moving into, you know, a, a new life, making a new life for yourself. Um, having to get rid of everything that you knew or everything that you were comfortable with can be a little uneasy. I maybe liken it to someone who has grown up their entire life, say, in the Bay Area and packing up and moving to Florida. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily a bad thing, the reasons for doing it or whatever, but leaving behind everything you know and everything that you've come to be familiar with can be scary for some, I would imagine. I think the biggest um, one-way encounter are, are people. The yeah, people, friends. The friends. People that they've associated with, um, especially if it's been a long-term use, you know, yeah. use in the life. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's probably the most difficult one. And there's certain, you know, philosophies regarding that. Um, you know, we we've been asked that question by some of our callers, hey, do yes. I need to do I need to just you know, do I need to cut ties with everyone that's, you know, from my past and so on so that that's too broad of a question. Right. Okay. Right. Because there's people that are in different categories. Do you need to cut ties with your dealer? <laughs> Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> Do you need to cut ties with your 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 childhood friend who you grew up with who might still be in the life? I wouldn't say you don't need to cut ties, but you might have to limit your association. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Limit your associations because you. I wouldn't say as you're in I call it the delicate stages of your of your recovery that you want to risk. And this doesn't apply to everyone. But I'm just saying, generally speaking, you don't want to be risked. You don't want to risk being pulled back in. So you do limit your associations. Okay? And then I think we had one person say, well, what about, you know, it's my brother. You know, my, my or our family member that's, you know, immediate family member that's that's in the life and yeah. in, in the home with me. You know, what should I do then? Well, you can't. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, you got to cut off your, you know, don't talk to him, don't look at him, don't, don't do anything. No. Um, we have to, we have to provide you with the tools to be able to deal with that if that's what your home environment is going to consist of. Right. People that are engaged in the life. And we get a lot of that, by the way. We do. Um, they say, I mean, we're we're in the belly of the beast. Uh, I beg to differ in terms of my comparison to back east, but it is what it is. I guess it says you're a beast out here. This is a beast, all right? Okay. This is the beast. I don't think it compares to <laughs> South Jamaica or Brownsville or South Bronx, but okay, it's it's the beast. It is. It is the beast, for sure. But I think that's when that question comes up about, you know, you know, who who in when it comes to people disassociating yourself with people, I think that's the most a uh, difficult conversation to have where more information is needed rather than just the, the, the a blank standard answer of, you know, just yeah, cut everyone off that exists in your life that may be negative. Um, that's unrealistic, and it's actually a waste of time because they're not going to do that. But I think if you approach it in a manner of categorizing people in terms of their risk level, that makes more sense to people. Than just say cut everybody off. In terms of places, I, I found that to be easier 
for people to deal with to deal with and to to you know say yeah I think I, I can do that I don't have a problem with that and the places can be anything for some people it could be the club for some people it can be a particular place they may have hung out with you know hung out at where certain people frequent right you know that creates a certain environment that's not in their best interest um and so you know if, if they like going to the club then it's about finding a place where that environment that negative environment does not exist. And I know that might be an oxymoron because, you know, it could be perceived that, you know, club environments just by default, by the club default environment are, brings it. are negative. Um, and that may be the case, but are you going to say to someone who likes doing that, you know, well, you can't do that. No. Okay. If you like doing that, then we're going to have to, again, prepare you with the tools so that you can go enjoy yourself and not get, Swooped in and dragged into right. the the underworld and under the and find you under the bar stool. Right, right, right. Exactly. People don't get clean to be miserable. If it, like uh, if it's something you enjoy, okay, and it's reasonable, then like you said, just need to be prepared for that moment. Right. Um. So we got people. We got places. What about things? What things could be? Negative reservations. Interpreters holding on to a corner of the bag. That's a great question. Well, we know when people, especially in the residential environment, so they haven't been, Let's if they came from home and they haven't been home for four or five, six months, then they go out on a pass and go back to their, where they, you know, their room or where they were. Paraphernalia, contraband. And and, and other things that may have been, even if it's um, other things that that might be around that had associations in that life that no longer are needed in this new life that they're going to try and live. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so we always tell them, when you go home, clear out. Clear out all the old and let's start fresh and clean. You know, of course, if there's the obvious drug paraphernalia and stuff like that, get rid of that. But, um, you know, there could be, I don't know, do they have drug paraphernalia magazines? <laughs> yeah, to, uh, yeah like uh, High I mean, Times, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, anything that that you placed uh, an association with that lifestyle with, you know, I mean, it's hard to say what it might be. Right. But some people could be clothing items. This is the jacket they always got high in. Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? These are the sneakers they always wore when they got high. You know what I mean? And so you want to remove those associations. Well, and to you me, know? Uh, you know, one thing that comes to mind that's a big one for a lot of people is music. And so uh, I don't want to I don't want to uh, get get too down and dirty with the uh, getting hitting too close to home. When I mentioned Mr. Marley, <laughs> Mr. Bob Marley. Watch but, it. Watch it. <laughs> but uh, some people, boy, music can be really triggering. And that's a thing that, that there can be a strong association created with. Hey, you know, this was the type of music I used to listen to when I got higher. This song reminds me of times when I used to get high and things of that nature. I think I applied on behalf of everyone in recovery, I applied for a general exemption for music because uh, music... You couldn't do without your Bob? <laughs> Let me just jot that down for the record. Keep a sailing Bob. <laughs> um, I think music 
can be associated with people, places, things, periods of time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it sits over in its own category. I can listen to songs from back in the day when when I was getting high, and it doesn't. I don't have. I have the association of getting high is not what I think about when I hear those songs. What I think about is the larger picture of what was going on at that time. Uh-huh. My, my, you know, who were my friends at that time? What was I doing in the big picture? Okay. Not the small picture of of the getting high. Okay. So I think you can with with music. Music there's there's more that you can. There's more that you can attach to it than just that narrow thing of the the get high. Right. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think um, I think it's a good point, uh, but it, I guess it, it would be working with that individual on broadening what that association might be instead of pigeonholing it or narrowing it to, oh, when I hear this type of music or this artist or this song, all I think about is getting high – and opening it up, you know, because um, obviously music is big for people. People love music. That's the way it is, you know, well, in you recovery, can... out of recovery, or whatever the case may be. And you may want to still appreciate the music you used to listen to, but you just got to work through that trigger that it might bring up. Well, you got to ask, what else was going on in your life at that time? Now, if they say, oh, nothing, the only thing I was doing was getting high, okay, then exactly right. You're gonna, Well, you're going to have to work to, have to to create a different association. Right. For example, when you hear that song today, what's going on in your life today right. that you can create a new association to? It's almost the same as when people – sometimes when people are, are – they're, they're, they're getting into recovery, and let's just use marijuana as an example. You can pick any drug, but I'm going to just use marijuana. And what do you think about when you, when you, you ask them, what do you think about when you think of marijuana? Now, if if the if the thought is it was just good times and fun and you know and all that stuff, okay, then it's going to be hard to attach some uh, 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 a negative connotation to it. Right. Okay. So you have to work with them and say, well, well, while you were smoking, was did everything was everything good? I mean, if you were in school, were you doing good in school? Were you doing your schoolwork? I mean. You got to dig to find how did this impact you, right? Okay, and there's always the the ace in the hole, which my mother came up with. I mean, which is she didn't come up with it, but she used it. Okay, you ready for it? Let's hear it. If all else fails, she said, "You know, marijuana makes you lazy." There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so at, at the end of the day. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. So now that's a general thing because. Sometimes we've said that. And, oh well, what about this person and that person? It could be some celebrity that's out there. You know, you know they smoke marijuana, like Paul McCartney, whatever. Oh well, look what he's doing, and he smokes marijuana. Michael Phelps winning gold medals mm-hmm. left oh, and yeah, right. Exactly. I said, okay, there's only four people Tim in the world. Tim winning, winning okay. Cy Young. Okay, that's not you though. All <laughs> right. Okay, exactly. you didn't finish high school because you were too busy getting high. So, many different places we can go. But we want to do try and find a negative association with it because if 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 it's all good, if it was all good, what's going to stop? What's going to stop me? Yeah, absolutely nothing. Okay. 
So when people, I think the most important thing, at least for me, is when 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 people don't when the environment is not created where people can talk about their negative reservations. That's the the tragedy for me. You mean uh, when somebody talks about an honest reservation and they're getting a haircut for not uh, fully investing in treatment? Yeah, well, yeah. Hope <laughs> not, tr- not trusting in the process. Slap them on an LE. <laughs> put them on a relator's desk. Why haven't I sold into the process yet? Bought into the process yet? I, I hope that's nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties treatment. <laughs> I, I hope that's not today's treatment. Today's treatment should be that we we want we want how you honestly feel and how you uh what you're really thinking because then we can get into it. If you keep it to yourself then there's no way we can help and get into it and, and provide maybe a different perspective. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's negative reservations. And if we don't if we don't have the opportunity to get into the negative reservations, to get underneath them, to find out what's behind them, why they have them and get them corrected and eliminated before the person leaves the treatment setting, then, as I said before, way more likely than not, that reservation is going to come to fruition. Oh, yeah. And that's what we want to avoid. Right. Absolutely. And I didn't make that stat up. It was handed down to me, and it's proven itself over 20 years to be true. Time-tested. Time-tested. All right. Why don't we take a break? Perfect. That sounds good. We will take a break. Uh, We do see that we have some people on hold, so please be patient with us. We will get to you on the other side when we get into our recovery support time. Thank you all out there for those of you who are listening.
Roach on Recovery is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment and recovery. Our Recovery Support Time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our host live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646-564-9909. Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery Support Time. A time for us to help you. Okay, welcome back to Roach on Recovery, 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in. We just wrapped up our topic of today, holding on to a corner of the bag, negative reservations. And we're going to go right into our recovery support time with uh, Reginald. He's been holding a while from Orange County down there in Southern California. Hey, Reginald, welcome. Hey, hello. How yeah, doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Good. Yeah, my question is, um, how many people actually make it back from uh, once they go out, you know, like within a year's time that you know of? When you say make it back, what do you mean? Explain from that. From, say, that they go back out and they, they relapse? I mean, you know, is it like the statistics or something on that? Or you do you have any idea or you, you know... Well, I got I got two answers to that. One, not enough, meaning that in in I mean, if in an ideal world, if anyone was experiencing a relapse, I would want all of them to make it back to some treatment assistance somewhere, yeah. um, and not enough and not enough make it back. Some, um, and I mean that literally and figuratively. So some don't make it back that they they. Uh, stay in their addiction, you know, it just ramps back up to wherever it left off and then they're just in it now. Uh, Some get caught up and end up back in jail or worse in prison. And then the the ultimate, some don't make it back because they lose their life. And so all three of those are possibilities. So, yeah, I would love everyone. But we do, you know, we, I mean, I've seen many people, you know, come back, and um, you know, my personal opinion on that is always that you know, when they come back, I you know, welcome with welcome them back with open arms because one, it means they're alive. Two, that right. they realize that hey, you know, I got you know, I, I'd rather be back here than wherever I was. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I asked you because I, I think I've been lucky this time, you know, or I've been blessed. Better, better put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Each time is an opportunity, so you got to take advantage of it. All right. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.
we you know we have uh at least in in, in our program we have all of our graduates for the adult post you know their graduate certificate copies yeah framed and framed in the hung around the building hung around the building and um one of the things that we're going to do is I'm not sure if it's going to some kind of ribbon or something on the ones who are no longer with us. Mm, okay. Um, and and some are through health reasons that they sure. passed on naturally, sure. and others through, you know, they've met, for lack of a better expression, a violent death. Right. Um. And some, you know, re- relapsed and 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 you know the relapse was a contributing factor to them passing. Uh, but I think, and of, 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 we got so many up in in the building. I I think that the staff person I recommended, I thought it was a great idea, because it also sends another message. You know that there's no guarantee, there's no guarantees. You know what I mean? So, uh, I got an email question here from Jordan from Pacifica. So let's see. His question is. I can control my behaviors by being mindful and aware of my emotions and thoughts. But how come it's so hard to apply those same tools and skills towards controlling my drug use and addiction? That's a very interesting question. So what he's saying is is that he he can use mindfulness to be aware of his emotions and thoughts and control his behavior, but he has a difficult time using those same tools when it comes to not using. Now, why would it be why would it be difficult to apply those same tools to one and not to the other? It shouldn't be difficult. It comes down to a want, a desire, a commitment. Because he's already stating in his question that he has the tools. He actually uses the tools. He uses them to help control his emotions and his thoughts and his behaviors. He says, I control my behaviors by being mindful and aware of my emotions and thoughts. So how come he doesn't do that to be control his drug use or his addiction? So I think if we had him on the line, Mr. Producer, what we would say is, "What's stopping you?" That's that's the that's what we don't have since it's a written question. We don't have it. Sure, it right. Well, we would we would have to push him a little bit and dig a little deep as to well, what's the reason why you don't? It's yeah, like an open-ended question. What's stopping you from applying what you apply in this scenario to your biggest problem? Right. Yeah, it would be good to ask, and maybe we can uh, get the gentleman to call in at some point. Well, we'll send him. We'll actually, since we got this, we'll send it back. We'll respond back. See if he then responds back. Okay. Yeah. That's too deep for me. Right. So hopefully we won't scare him off. All right, let's go to Rojas from Redwood City. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Welcome. Uh, and and I had a real quick question, and uh, sure. so here it goes. 
do people who stay connected to recovery groups like NA and AA, do they do it because they still have drug cravings? And is that the only way to stay true to the recovery by staying connected to the rest of your life with support groups? Well, let's say deal with the first the first part of your question. For people who are attending AA and NA, you said, do they do that because they are having cravings? Uh huh. It would be hard for me to know that. I don't know if someone's attending because they're having cravings. I'm, I'm, it's possible that there's some because people go to meetings every day, so they might be in a stage of their recovery where they're still thinking about using, they feel like using, and so by going to meetings, it helps them, you know, one day at a time, fight this thing. So that's possible. But there are other people who go for fellowship. You know, they're they're they're, they're not craving. But they they like the fellowship of of being around other people who are in recovery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So like for socializing and and just yeah, having exactly. a support group, right? Yes. Yes. So what oh, was okay, part two yeah. of your question? What was the second part? And then part? is uh, staying connected to the uh, uh, support groups is that the only way to stay true to your uh, recovery? That's pretty much about the same. No. And w- when you say stay true to it, what do you mean by that? Just so I can make sure I'm clear on what you're saying, what you're asking. Like, um, so like, it, so you have to, uh, for you to stay clean of drugs and cravings, uh, the only way for someone who who's had a background of using drugs and uh, bad behaviors would be to stay uh, for the rest of your life connected to a support group? Um, the answer, the, the the literal answer is no. Oh, okay. Okay. And let me explain. It doesn't make a difference what support group you go to, what other support mechanisms you use, if you want to get high, you're going to get high. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Nothing, nothing is going to stop you. You're just going to do what it is. You're going to do what you're going to do. Okay? So what what I, I advise people, what I suggest, what I recommend is that in the early stages of your recovery, you should have some kind of support out there. It doesn't have to be. A-A-N-A. It could be anything. Some people use their church. Some people use, I mean, there's many different things people can think of that they can use to support if it's positive and constructive. Some people say connected to the program that they might have gone through and go back to groups there. But as far as, well, if I don't do this for the rest of my life, is that going to mean that I'm going to fail at my recovery? No, that's not, that's not the case at all. There you go. That, I can't, that's, that's, I can't say that. I can't mm-hmm. say that. Makes sense, definitely. Uh, uh, that's that's I guess what I was uh, looking for. Anything else? No, that would that would be all. Thank you so okay. much, man, and thank you for your time, okay? Thank you, Ross. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Well. I know that they hear 
you know, especially if you're in a treatment setting and depends on what setting you're in and, you know. The modality and the, all that. Yeah, the modality, the milieu uh, might be what might be recommended or advised or might be some arm twisting. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But ultimately, your participation in, 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 re, in any type of support group that's, you know, based in a recovery support group um, needs to be something that you're interested in doing, something you want to do. Otherwise, I mean, just to feed sole purpose. If someone's twisting your arm to go right. there and get signed off and whatnot just so your attendance is taken, what purpose is that serving? Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, to me, it's like someone going to church just to just to be there, not to uh, to be, you know, influenced by, you know, what they're hearing. Right. Or impacted by what they're hearing. You know, or uh, to be influenced or impacted by the people that they're surrounded by. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. If you're forced to be somewhere, you're probably going to be a little bit on the defensive to begin with, closing yourself off to what you may have gained anyway, because right. ah, I don't want to be here, I don't want to do this. Um, and then, yeah, the, uh, the old twisting of the arm that if you intend on staying clean, you're going to have to go to A meetings for the rest of your life. <laughs> Yeah, I don't and, know. We, and, and, we and sell that one anymore. And we want the sign in with the sign-in sheet, the right. sign-in paper, for the rest of your. <laughs> yeah, you're right. When you're 50, you can fax them on in, and <laughs> exactly. No, that's. Um, but it's 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 common to people who are just getting into recovery for the first time, because it's new to you, mm-hmm. and so you're opening ears to everything you hear, and because there's a lot of different people with a lot of different backgrounds in recovery or who work in the field, you're going to hear some of that stuff. Whether it be right or wrong, you're going to hear it, you know? One of the best examples I can use, you know, I can I can use my own mother. She's in her mid... Um, hopefully she's not listening, but... <laughs> she'll do it. Her mid-30s. Yeah, she's... Oh, I have a better description. I like to call it... The, you know, they used to say the golden... Your golden years? Yes. Oh, she's in her diamond years. Wow, Okay. okay. And um, when she goes to church, I mean, really, what is she's not, you know, she she knows, you know, she's, you know, she knows the the, the Bible through and through, right? Right. So she's not really learning anything. So what's the reason why she goes, you know, quote unquote religiously every Sunday? Right. Right. She goes for the fellowship. She goes to be impacted by the people yeah, around community. her. Community. Uh, her, hear different interpretations of the word, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And so it's similar to someone who, you know, they're they're strong in their recovery. Uh, they're not going to ANA as a life-saving mechanism. They're going there for fellowship, right. to listen to others, okay, and also to pull others along, you know, to help others who are new. Sure. You know, someone stands up there and says, hey, I've, you know, I've been clean one day, you know, and, you know, so you know the struggle's on, the fight's on, okay? Right. You want to be there and say, hey, you know, I've done it, so you can do it. You know, so you want to try and give them uh, some hope. And we've advised people, even call to this show, that, you know, one of the best – how many times do we say you can't keep it unless you give it away? One of the best ways to, you know, if you are going through a, a, a tough patch, a down, a down period emotionally, to pick yourself up is to help others. Yeah, in whatever way, shape, yeah. or form. Yeah, and it definitely it ends up. I've heard people describe it 
as almost like an out-of-body experience when they're giving back to somebody or they're helping somebody out. And I've heard it described as almost as you're saying the words to whomever you're speaking with, you can hear them coming back to yourself. And you might walk away from that conversation like, wow, like I've got the knowledge. I need to start applying that to some of myself, you know, because I've been feeling down lately or whatever the case may be. And it can be a huge way to pull yourself out of that hole Mm -hmm. to help somebody else. Oh, do we still beat people up when they don't attend support support groups? Uh, physically? Emotionally? I think we stopped the physical uh, assaults <laughs> back in the 80s. Um, uh, no, I, I think uh, we're more geared toward now finding something that works for you mm-hmm. and not forcing AA or NA specifically. Hey, if church works for you, great. Hey, if, you know, some sort of social group or gathering that is positive, that mm-hmm. promotes recovery and a better way of living life that you feel you fit into better, great. Mm-hmm. But I do believe, yeah, there there's still some pressure applied to finding whatever that group may be. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go out and do it alone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people um, going through residential facilities, many residential facilities out there have like an aftercare and extended care for people who have finished the residential program. Mm-hmm. And that group of peers can be their social group yeah. that, you know, that helps them and supports them and whatnot. And you can make some good friends out of groups like that. Well, if you remember the, in terms of Daytop, the Monsignor's book, you can't do it alone. It wasn't just in reference to the initial and the early stages of your recovery experience. Right. He was talking about those delicate, the post-treatment sure. period, et cetera, um, and beyond. And, not to get esoteric on people, but take it out of the recovery round period. I mean, you can can you go through life alone? No, no. So you can't do it alone, right? Even though some of us would love to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in certain situations, most certainly. But that's even. I mean, that goes beyond recovery as well. That feeds right into kind of a social type of deal where yeah human beings need socialization with other human beings just to you know be at some sort of equilibrium and have some sort of balance you can't you can't do anything alone let alone something that's incredibly challenging like you know staying clean staying clean and it is an incredible challenge today um more so than yesteryear because there's just so much more um, with technology and um, and whatnot coming at you to distract you and, and get you off focus, off track, and, 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 and whatnot, that it is an unbelievable challenge. And I always say that I'm not picking on the alcoholics not, by no means. I always tell them you have the most difficult task ahead of you because you have to deal with something that's advertised on TV and every sporting event and the billboards and the whole nine yards. I mean, you don't see meth ads on television. And so you got to sit there and not only try and, you know, not think about drinking, but also deal with it being just splashed in front of your face. And so, I mean, we really got to, at least in our treatment environment, when we get alcoholics in, we really have to prepare them for what the onslaught, not that they don't know. I mean, obviously, if they've they've been drinking, they're aware, but 
but now they're going out there with a with a mindset of I'm, you know I'm done with drinking. I don't want to drink anymore, but I know I'm going to receive this this visual onslaught, this this verbal onslaught of drink, 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 drink. How am I going to ward that off, fight that off, and stay focused on what I'm supposed to do? Right. It's a tough world out there. And I'll just speak in reference to the alcoholics. They're not advertising heroin yet and methamphetamine yet. <laughs> no. During the Sunday football game. No, and it is a tough world because let me tell you something. There is people, I know people, who don't like beer. These are not alcoholics. These are people that drink recreationally or whatever who don't like beer, who in the course of watching a football game will want a beer, even though they know they don't like it because that's how much it is blasted into your living room and into your face. They'll make something disgusting. Oh, man, the snow cap of the mountain and how cold it looks and refreshing. And, boy, I'll tell you what, if you were an alcoholic, that would be rough. That really would be rough. That's, like you said, tough to navigate that. Yep. All right, let's go to uh, Kimberly. Kimberly, welcome. Hi. Thank you. I'm calling you back from um, last week, and we talked, and you you had told me – um, simply to uh, uh, marinate the thoughts of relapsing. And mm-hmm. I know we talked a little bit about that and also reservations. And mm-hmm. um, my conclusion that... What is reservation? Well, not reservations, my, negative. Not reservations, negative reservations. What is it? You use the word reservations? Yes. And I'm saying and it's not called... It's not called reservation. It's called negative reservations. Okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> now you got now you got me something to marinate in. <laughs> but um, yeah. when I was when I came up with, I mean, this is just by doing some, um, you know, reading and also um, um, journaling and step work that I had found out through the NA book that I read that the reservation, um, you know, it's like. I, I, I'm not using, I'm not drinking, right? But my mm-hmm. mind has already set um, a reservation, or negative reservation. And so um, I want to know that? what the... Well, um, I, what I wanted to say was the last time that I went out, and I did, um, there was no thought plan, there was no time slot, there was nothing, you know what I mean? There was no planning... Um, and as I would have before, it just, it just came on, like, and within the time that it came on, there was like, it was done, you know? And I'm, I wanted to ask you was, how does that fit into relapsing? Because when I relapsed before, not this last time, but before, I knew I was going to relapse and I knew what I was doing. I knew it and I planned it and everything, you know? But this last time, and I know you talked about the negative reservation, um, I have thought about it, and what what is your solution on avoiding um, that that type of, of what um, commitment to myself? I don't, you know, or you know, what? Well, let, me what ask, let me just ask you this: you, You're saying that this last relapse experience just came came out of nowhere. It just came upon yeah. you all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's how you experience that's how you experienced it. Yes, sir. Uh huh. And I'm not okay. and I'm not lying. I just I am no. telling you the really truth. 
Okay. Um, yeah. So have you um, done any introspection in terms of just retracing your steps, so to speak, of leading up to that decision point? Have you looked no. back in time and said, okay, this is what, you know, even if you go back five days and just walk yourself through step by step each day as you got all the way up to the point of where you then found yourself making this decision? Have you done that yet? No, uh-uh. I um, just came up with those simple simple things. I didn't think I could, I mean, I don't know, didn't know where so that, else to go with it. I just, well, that's So that's an exercise that you can do. Okay. okay. What was that again? You want to go, let's just say, let's go back five days. Okay. From the date of when you relapsed. And you want to just retrace your steps each day all the way up to the moment of decision that you decided, okay, I'm going to pick up. And you want to try and find out in retracing your steps what was going, you know, you have to find the flashpoint, so to speak, of something that occurred, something that changed, something that flipped, something that happened, okay? And yeah. you may find, I, and I'm just predicting, I have no idea, I'm just throwing this out there, you may find that it might have been something that occurred that day, you know, within that three-hour time frame from when the decision was made. I don't yeah. know, but, but we want to see if we can find it and narrow it down. Why is this very important? Because we can never walk away from a relapse not uh-uh. knowing how we got there. Right. That's what I mean. It, I... it can never be an unknown. Right. Because it's... if we don't know how we got there, then we can't prevent it from happening again. Right. And that's what um, I wanted to to tell you was, yeah, when the date that I came back into sobriety, um. I've got over 30 days now, excuse me, but um, I have did some journaling. I did an inventory on myself. I've... Um, let me ask, I, Kimberly, let me ask, let me ask yes. you a question. Sorry for interrupting uh-huh. what, How long did your relapse last? Did you just relapse one day and then get back on the wagon? What happened? Did, was that how no. it was? It was like uh-huh. it was like four days or so. That, and, and, okay. then, and I came so, up uh, out of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So four days. So yeah. this is what, this is how I would like you to think about it. Okay. In terms of looking at the relapse. So we already know the exercise you're going to do. Uh-huh. Right? Right. So you're going to spend you're going to spend this whole week doing an exercise and then you're going to call us back again and tell us if okay. you come up with anything, all right? But I want you to look at your relapse this way cuz you're looking to me you're looking at your relapse the wrong way. Okay. Uh, uh, don't, um, say, okay. Don't, don't say any more. Okay. So from the moment you get off the phone with me, I don't want you to say any more, okay, I got 30 days, I got 40 days. Yeah, okay. okay? Because mm-hmm. what what that signals to yourself is that, okay, so everything I did prior to that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, okay? okay. And yeah. All, all that time is just gone. It's in the garbage. And that's not the case. Okay. Okay? So you had a period of four days where you were experiencing a relapse, okay, mm-hmm. you, were, you were able to, for lack of a better word, arrest it, stop it, okay, mm-hmm. and get back on the recovery wagon, mm-hmm. okay, 
And now that you're on the recovery wagon again, now we can look back at that relapse to dissect it, analyze it, and see how did I get there. And then once we figure that out, then we can know how to prevent ourselves from getting down there again. Okay, but we don't exactly. throw fifteen months. We don't throw fifteen months in the garbage. Huh. I I um I gotta tell you that whole the whole fifteen months means a lot to me. But the point is, um, sir, is that I believe I was in relapse mode, and maybe that's why something like it says about negative reservations do appear um, without that without be, knowing. That may be true. That may uh-huh. be true. But and, if um, you had negative, if you had let me let me actually if you well, let me just say this if you had negative reservations for fifteen months I would say you did a very good job of holding out. Really. You held out for over a year before yeah. before you gave before you gave in. So, I mean that's you know what I'm saying we we, we yeah. try and find we understand the relapse was a negative event was a uh-huh. negative experience but out of it we have to find okay. What can we learn? What are the positives? Mm-hmm. Know what I mean? Yeah. We we don't have to beat ourselves up and beat ourselves down with the negatives. They're they're obvious. We know it. Okay, well, I know I relapsed. Okay, thank you. Okay, but what are the positive yeah. things we can take away from it? Okay, well, you know what? I had 15 months clean before I relapsed. That's a good thing. Okay. Um, guess what? I'm, uh, I'm, I've, I, I relapsed for four days, and then I got back on the recovery wagon. That's a good thing. Okay. I'm now going to go back and look and see, hey, what happened? Why did I have these negative reservations? What were they? That's yeah, and where did they, co- where did they come that's from? Where that's what I... From. Right. That's a good that's, thing. Yeah, that, I, that's what I really want to know because in the Narcotic Anonymous, um, the NA book, the green and gold one, um, I, it talks about those reservations, and they say that it's like it's not like as before you you set out to plan like I'd set out to plan to go get my my dope or whatever right so I'd have it one one o'clock I'd be there you know I got you know I mean it would all be planned we got out. it we got it yeah and so this it. time this time it just there was like it was absolutely no it just it just like I I can't um but, I can't explain here, here, to you it just that's all right but just, you'll do the yeah. exercise. You'll do the ex- you'll spend the week during the ex- doing the exercise, and that will help us figure it out. Okay. All right. So yeah, you put you during the week you start jotting down some things as it comes to you as you're retracing your steps, and then okay. we'll slowly get to a point where we can pinpoint what happened where, and then be able to determine how this came about. Okay. 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 All right. Let's call then. I will do that. Thank you. Okay. You're very welcome. All right. You have a good Bye-bye. night. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. The one thing we don't want people doing is, uh, I think, I don't remember who told me this, but I don't know if it was Eddie Hill or one of my directors from back in the day about, you know, if there's one thing addicts do is beat themselves up. Big time. And yeah. I mean you can you can make a bad decision and I emphasize the word decision, not a mistake. You can make a bad decision and have a relapse and just beat yourself up about it forever. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of being able to, you know, with using my t- 
48 hour rule. And then we got to get into, okay, what happened here? How did this happen? And, you know, get an understanding of it. And I mean, a total understanding of it and make sure, you know, that we can see this coming. If, you know, if those same things start coming our way again, we could see it and make a different move, a different decision. But no, we got it. We got to stop beating ourselves up about stuff like that. You know, it's just part of the process. It's part of the experience. Right. And the longer you beat yourself up over it and kind of, you know, stay in your pity pot, so to speak, um, you are neglecting the time that you have available to learn from it and to grow from it. You know what I mean? And that's the that's the issue. It's like, let's take this experience and learn, grab whatever positive we can grab from it whatever knowledge we can gain from it and apply that to what we're doing now instead of just, you know, beating yourself up or sulking about it forever because then there's no movement forward. You're stuck. You're do you're you're making it even worse for yourself. Another thing that you're always told especially in residential facilities uh and more so back in the day with heavy confrontation is we would tell people you don't need to beat yourself up cuz we'll do that for you. You know what I mean? We got that covered. We got that part covered. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It can be um, be rough on people, but yeah, you gotta you gotta channel that energy in a different way. It's also important, and, and we we're constantly repeating this um, about spending more time on analyzing the relapse, not analyzing, you know the. How can I phrase this? We we want to find out what led us to this point in time, because if we can identify that, which is the key, I can then see this if it's coming down the road again. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's what we want to spend our time focusing. You're exactly right. The more time we spend on the pity pot, feeling bad about ourselves for having made that bad choice and and, and relapsed. You know, just delays the, the the process. Now, it doesn't mean, of course, it's not the other extreme where you just walk in like everything is okay. Oh, yeah, I relapsed. Yeah, no relapsed. Whatever. I've learned from it, yeah. though. So moving right along. <laughs> no, 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 no. Slow your roll, brother. We got to look into this. And uh, and because that the person who walks in with that attitude that signals something else. <laughs> right. Okay. So you know you got both extremes here, and you know we need to be always somewhere in the middle. You know, it's normal to have appropriate, um, uh, you know, grief, sadness, and upset about about the bad decision. Sure, right. Okay, but uh, we're not walking in with you know, uh, just the, just with, making the chief aware. Hey, it's with, part of the process. With, what are you going to do? With, I'll book myself for with, it. What's with, for dinner? Yeah, you're not walking in with the cigar and you know, <laughs> the, you know, with the empty bottle and say, hey, don't worry about it. Just put me in the books. <laughs> exactly. No, that's not happening. Right. That's not happening. But um. I once, you know, there's a saying out there, and I would agree that this probably applies to the majority of people that are entering the recovery process. They say relapse is a part of recovery. And, well, what does that mean? Does that, well, are you predicting that I'm going to be relapsing? Is that what you're telling me? Right. Well, no, we don't want to say that because we certainly don't want to put those things. We don't want you to focus on that. that oh, at some point down the road, we can't tell you when exactly. 
but you're going to relapse. It's going to happen. Okay, no, <laughs> we would never say that. What we're saying is, is that if that should come about, that you should understand that that has shown itself to be a part of the process for most, not for everyone, but for most, and that if it does happen, that's not the end of the world. Right. Okay. And we've seen far too many cases. What did we talk about last week? I don't know. Maybe it was the week before when we were talking about, you know what? I don't even think I was talking about it on the show. Did I talk about the show about the 10 steps of being a man and humility being the last one, the hardest one to achieve? Uh-uh. Okay. I might have been at lunch with somebody okay. in the dining room. But um, we want to tell them that, you know, when you relapse, that in order to come, you know, in order to go back for, to seek help, okay, your ego has to go to the side, your pride has to go to the side, and you have to humble yourself. Because by coming, you know, seeking help again is saying, hey, you know what, I, I failed at this attempt. And ultimately, I don't believe you failed, okay? This is just a part of the process. Right. Okay? Right. And we're going to go right back at it. To right. To me, the ultimate failure is when you give up. Of course. Okay? Sure. Because there's, there's many people who's, you know, over the 25 years that, that I've been doing this that have taste, taken them four tries. Right. To To get it. And thank God they didn't give up on themselves before that fourth try because now they're doing awesome things. What if they, after that third try, they would have given up? They would have never gotten the opportunity to experience recovery because they said, oh, if I can't get it after three tries, I'm not going to get it. Well, they didn't do that. Right. You know, they just kept coming, they kept coming, kept coming. And to me, as long as a person is willing to keep trying, I'm willing to keep working with you. Right. You know, we got to figure out what it is you're not getting. That's true. You know, what it is that, you know, you're not grasping. Or, to make it even more simple, why is it you just want to keep using? <laughs> yeah, the bo- yeah, bottom line, right? <laughs> Let's not leave that one out, because for some people, that's what, as simple as it is. I just want to use. And right. so we might say, you know what, I, re- I can respect that. I can respect that if you want to keep using, you're not ready yet, you still want to do some more research, but you know what? We're here when you are ready. That's right. the message we want to put out there. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's that's the message you have to put out there because, like you said, for some people it's a genuine relapse. Mm-hmm. They they feel and they will express to you a sincere desire to be clean and not want to return to that lifestyle, go out, experience a relapse, feel guilty about it or whatever. Follow your 48-hour rule, of course, and get on to why it is, you know, that we relapse and how can we improve upon it for the next time. And for some people, it's I never really wanted to be clean. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, some of it sounds good or mm-hmm. it's maybe, you know, good in theory, but I still really enjoy using. I still really enjoy getting high or mm-hmm. that lifestyle. And there is a difference. Mm-hmm. There, There is a, a certain difference. And I can respect that. Yeah, well, it's honest. Yeah. And, and, cause if you have not, to respect if, it. If you're not ready, you're not ready. Um, I just hope, and I, and I will tell them this, I said, you know, while you're out there not being ready, I hope you don't do something that that's right. life-altering, so life-altering right. that you don't get the opportunity when you are ready. Right. You know what I mean? So um, there's there's many that are ready that are sitting in, in a prison cell. Right, yeah. There's, there's no guarantee that 
when the time comes where you do feel you're ready that you'll be able to capitalize on it or convince the judge otherwise <laughs> as, as we have as we have witnessed many times that you know you're you're now ready you know what uh, i'm i'm uh, i'm ready to give in to this thing and, and try something new and the judge says you know what we're ready to try something new also we're ready to try how about a 4 by 5 right <laughs> <laughs> right exactly exactly no, that's a very good point. I've, very... I've given you three or four opportunities, and you haven't taken advantage of either one, and there's other people waiting in line for these beds, and so it's now time for you to go up the river. <laughs> there you go. And that's a shame because um, we get the letters. So um, I just want to throw it out to the callers that I will be uh, not in studio next Tuesday. Um, and so we are up against it a little bit here for our clothes, but being that I will not be in studio next Tuesday, we need to do this, uh, so we can discuss it two weeks from now. Super Bowl predictions. Let's get them on. Let's get them on air right now on the record. Seattle. You want to, uh, you want to throw some points out there, a potential score two nothing three to six Seattle 24. Green Bay. Oh, Green. 20, I mean, not Green Bay. Uh, <laughs> New England, 21. 24-21 Seattle over Green Bay. Okay. Okay. I, um, however, I'm going to go New England winning this Super Bowl. And I'm going to say that New England wins this Super Bowl. We're going to go 27-16. All right. So it's on air. It's on record. Uh, when we come, when I come back two Tuesdays from now, we'll see who was uh, who was a little closer to on their on their prediction. And, and I actually don't care who wins, to be right. honest, because neither one of my three teams are playing. And so at this point, and I think it's just a, a ploy on your part to force me to revisit the pain. <laughs> oh, believe and, me, watching Seattle in the Super Bowl is uh, revisiting pain for every 49er fan out there. Knowing that my team beat this team in the regular season and they're now playing in the Super Bowl, but, you know, be it as it may. That's right. That's right. Well, that's good. No, I wanted to get the um, I wanted to get the pre- predictions on air because I was planning on next week having to throw that out with the Super Bowl upon us. But uh, as, as the world would have it, I will be getting older, another year older this weekend. And uh, as a result, I'll be out of town on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, so we talked today about holding on to a corner of the bag and negative reservations. Um, and, and I hope one of the things we make clear is that we hope everyone that's out there as a provider creates the environment there that people that are in the treatment setting can can be, get an opportunity to be honest and feel feel a trust that they can actually talk about what their negative reservations are. That then opens the just to be able to uh, help them uh, take a different perspective on them. Yeah, I hope so, too. I I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, It's important, right? It's important because the last thing you want, like you kind of stressed earlier in the show, is someone who has a legitimate reservation, and not because they're just not bought into the process, but they have this reservation, but are afraid to share it for fear of consequence mm-hmm. or that they'll be ridiculed for this instead of being able to have an honest conversation. Yeah. 
Now, we're going to close uh, with a song that I chose. Uh, we play many different genres on here, um, and uh, I want you to listen to the words of this song because I think it speaks to uh, not only uh, the, the song we played before that I think was self-explanatory, talking about bad company, okay, and what that does. <laughs> right, right. Okay, uh, but this one, the title is Riders on a Storm by the Doors, and uh, if you listen to the words, I think you'll be able to identify with it. <laughs> Perfect. The host has been put to a challenge to dig deep into his music library by some fans out there who enjoy the closing song and how it ties into the theme. And to this point, he's risen to the challenge. So we appreciate that. Again, as always, it's downhill. <laughs> as always, we appreciate all of you guys who have listened or followed us, tuned in today, all of our callers. Uh, and we wish everybody a safe week and rest of the weekend. And we will catch you all next Tuesday.
Riders on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone And actor out alone Riders on the storm That's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.